This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. You know who else is a great guy? And not just because he's willing to stay up late to chat with us when he is being sought after by national and international media more than ever. And that is Dr. Jay Bhattacharya. He's been a professor of medicine at Stanford University, a research associate with the National Bureau of Economics Research, and a senior fellow at the Stanford Institute for Economic Policy Research. He knows about medicine. He knows about economics. He's about as credentialed as you can be in any field. Dr. Bhattacharya, thanks so much for joining me again on the radio. It's a real pleasure. My pleasure, too, Frank. Thanks for having me. No, the pleasure is mine. I need you first to help us uh, muddle through some of the confusion that's out there on the issue of these COVID boosters. Uh, We were told by people that were part of the conventional wisdom, part of the process of guiding the FDA on what it was recommending for COVID boosters, that Healthy people don't need to get the boosters. And then we were told, okay, it's uh, it's not that variant. It's this variant. We've got a new souped-up booster. Now people should get the booster. So many people call me. In fact, even a lot of medical professionals reach out and say they don't know what kind of guidance to listen to. They don't know what kind of guidance to give their patients. As far as you're concerned, Dr. Bhattacharya, do you think people who are not immunocompromised should be getting the COVID booster right now? I mean, I think that's something you could talk to your doctor about. The key thing is if if you've had COVID and recovered or if you've had the vaccines before, I don't really don't see a huge amount of benefit. Um, But I'll say, Frank, it's hard to say the answer definitively because the FDA did not require the drug companies, Moderna and Pfizer, to run Dr. Bhattacharya, you're breaking up a little bit there. I don't know if there's a, a way you could get to a, a better um, a, a better area, but it sounded like, to me like you were saying they didn't require the the, the, the folks that were put it, producing these vaccines to run uh, peer-reviewed randomized trials. Is that what you said? They didn't run a, a good one. So, for, for instance, the Pfizer trial, they they only ran uh, they ran a study on twenty mice, and they asked if the if the booster produced antibodies. That's not good enough. It doesn't produce enough knowledge so that we can answer these questions that you're having in a in a clear way. Same thing with the Moderna. They had a trial with humans, unlike the Pfizer's um, trial for the booster, but. There was only 50 humans, and those 50, they, all they looked at, again, was whether it produced antibodies. It doesn't, they didn't check whether it stops you from being hospitalized. It doesn't check if it stops you from, from dying. And, in fact, in those 50, there was one serious adverse event. They needed, the FDA really failed here. They needed to require these drug companies to run better trials so that we had good answers to the questions, the very reasonable one you're asking me. 
The um, most people, at least with health insurance, are able to get these covid booster shots for free. Obviously, these shots are not free to produce and someone's getting paid. Presumably, uh, entities like Pfizer and the folks manufacturing these covid shots. Do, do you believe that maybe these drug companies are eager to put these out there, these booster shots quickly so that they can keep getting paid while the consumer never really sees a bill? That's exactly what's happening here. The government is paying for this with taxpayer money. Now, if you get the shot, you're not going to pay for it out of pocket. But if you pay taxes, you're probably paying for it and you don't even know it. Um, It's funny, Frank, because most countries, uh, you know, Scandinavian countries, most European countries, most developed countries, they're not recommending this for most of the population. They're recommending it for older people and for immunocompromised people. But for most other people, they're not recommending it. Um, so it's kind of uh, it's kind of funny to see the U.S. It really does seem like the drug companies like Pharma and Moderna have tremendous power over the regulatory agencies in the U.S. And you don't see that so much in other countries. Now that I know that um, you've reminded me that I'm paying for these shots, I feel like I should get my money's worth and maybe go out and get one just because <laughs> because I'm paying. I'm joking. But um, some people that um, that are very pro booster, they point to what's gone on in Florida, where uh, the governor there and his surgeon general have warned healthy adults under the age of 65 against taking the new covid booster. And a lot of folks point to the uptick in cases, even in terms of hospitalizations that Florida is seeing. Is that evidence that maybe this uh, this booster skeptic strategy is not a good one for a lot of people? I mean, every summer you see Florida and the Sun Belt see a rise in cases. That's not evidence of anything. In fact, if you look through the whole pandemic from the start of the pandemic to now, Florida actually has lower all-cause excess deaths than California. For, you know, if you just look at deaths from any cause, not just from COVID alone. Um, so, I mean, whatever Florida is doing, it seems to be protecting the population better than California. And that's also true, that's also true of New York. Florida has lower all-cause excess deaths than New York than through the, the whole pandemic. I mean, I think Florida's strategy with the vaccines is no different than in uh, than Denmark's strategy, for instance. They're very, very similar. Uh, I mean, I think, and, you know, like for people under 65, especially if they've had COVID, it's pretty, pretty unlikely that this vaccine is going to do, this booster is going to do much, much for you. Now, you know, go talk to your doctor, of course, sure. and you'll get medical advice from the, from the radio. And if you have particular conditions, it might be worthwhile. But the issue is just to require, to recommend it at scale of solid randomized studies just seems irresponsible. And a lot of the Scandinavian countries have said no, because they, they, they have seen what, what the, uh, efficacy of the previous booster was, which is pretty low. Um, aside from COVID, we have seen flu shots be around for many more years. And a lot of people, this is now flu shot season. A lot of people saying, get your flu shot, get your flu shot. Do you, where do you come down on the, on the flu shot situation? Is it the same boat as the COVID booster or is there more of a track record to the production of these flu shots? 
I'm generally I'm generally in favor of the flu shots. Um, the flu shots. The, the the thing about them is that you have to decide in advance what uh, what you think the strain of the flu is going to be around, and then and just like with the COVID booster, by the way. Um, and then if you sometimes you guess right and sometimes you guess wrong. But the big difference, Frank, is that the flu shot uh, is that it it's we have decades of experience with the safety of it, and it is a very very safe vaccine. So even if you guess wrong one year and you're like, okay, you only get uh, 50% efficacy against the flu. Well, I mean, at least it's a safe vaccine. You have to hurt people. We don't have quite that same long track record. The, this COVID vaccine has only been around for you know, a couple of years. We, we really do need better safety, better efficacy data before we can be confident that these updated boosters are working. And that's something that the FDA absolutely has the power to require these drug companies to do, to run excellent studies, and they haven't. We spoke to you back in July when the case of uh, Missouri versus Biden was decided. Well, earlier this month, a federal court of appeals ruled that the White House, the Surgeon General, the CDC and shockingly, the FBI quote, and this is the court's quote, uh, likely violated the First Amendment by exerting a pressure campaign on social media companies to censor COVID skeptics, including you. For people that have not been following this case, Dr. Bhattacharya, can you give us a little bit of the context behind what the government was doing, what the social media companies were doing, and how that involved you and how this ended up in court? Sure. So what, what was happening is that the, the federal government, the Biden administration would, uh, they, you know, like, let, let's just take the vaccines and stick with that. Um, they, they decide that they would need to have everyone, including six month old, take the vaccine. And now I suppose somebody, including someone with credentials uh, and, and knowledge says, well, you know, the six month old trial, they didn't actually show that it that, and, and it didn't even really even check to see if it prevented death in six month olds. You post that on Facebook or Twitter or something. The the federal government would contact social media companies like Twitter, like Facebook, uh, and and then they would tell these companies, you need to have policies uh, so that these posts that make this kind of message get taken down, that they have reduced reach. They would give essentially hit lists of like people and ideas that were outside of what the social media companies were allowed to promote or even have on their sites legally protected speech and even true facts like you know after you get covid and recover you have some immunity well that that was you're not allowed to say that online if you if if any listener was was suppressed during uh the, during the pandemic for, on facebook it's probably because the government told facebook to suppress you um, we so we I've been part of this lawsuit brought by the Missouri and Louisiana Attorney General's Office against the Biden administration. In this lawsuit, we got to look at the records and emails from, from a dozen federal agencies, including the CDC, the Surgeon General's Office, the FBI, um, and the White House itself. And it shows a government that was threatening these social media companies with a, with essentially with a regulatory extinction unless they complied with the censorship demands. That's incredible. So now you won at the lower court level. Uh, the I would say the people won and people that think the First Amendment is uh, kind of an important thing won at the appeals court level. What then happens now? Has the government indicated that they're going to appeal here? Do you see this case going to the Supreme Court? 
So, yeah, so we won, um, let me just say specifically what we won, the government, but at the lower court and in the appeals court, both agreed that the government should not be allowed to do this, that it violates the First Amendment and ordered the Biden administration. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, Dr. Bhattacharya, I'm, I'm losing you. If you could hear me, uh, you dropped out there. All right. We're going to, we're going to try and uh, get him back in a second. If we can, maybe we'll, maybe we'll call him back. Uh, people just tuning in. We're talking with Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, assuming we can get him back. He is a, a brilliant man, a PhD and an MD. He is a, a professor of uh, medicine at, uh, at Stanford. Uh, do I have you back, Dr. Bhattacharya? Uh, yep. I'm here. Gotcha. Okay. So, here, so please continue. Yeah. So as I was saying, the, the Biden administration has been ordered by the lower by the lower court and by the appeals court that they're not allowed to censor anymore. They're not allowed to go tell social media companies to, to censor anymore, which is a big deal. The Biden administration with this preliminary injunction, then that means they, they can't violate the First Amendment anymore. They've appealed to the Supreme Court. And right now, the Supreme Court is deciding whether it's going to keep the preliminary injunction or allow the First Amendment to keep being violated. I'm really hopeful that the Supreme Court will do the right thing here and allow, and basically order the First Amendment to be restored in the country. Oh, same here. So just to be clear, if folks ask themselves the question about why the social media companies would would go along with this, I think especially three years ago when we were seeing some of the stories and some of the opinions that were being suppressed on Twitter and on Facebook, not just related to COVID, but related to other things as well, I think the, the tendency on those of us that like free speech was to view the social media companies as the enemy. But what you're saying is that the the evidence shows that these social media companies were actually being overtly threatened with regulatory retribution by the government. That's exactly right. Um, now, you know, some of them, maybe they, they agreed. I mean, there may be employees inside the social media company who were perfectly happy to censor. But as a, as a general thing, what we saw in the evidentiary record is the government was telling the social media companies what to censor and who to censor. And they would, they would obey because they were afraid that they would, that, that it would be regulatory action taken against them. Um, you know, I, I think the, the, the problem is that 
uh, we, we, we shouldn't be tolerating a government that vi- violates the First Amendment in such a way. We, it's, well, the fact that, that it's taken regulatory action is, is really kind of, in a, in a, this, this kind of court action is kind of shocking. Um, it, it's interesting if you're reading the record, uh, reading these, av- these emails, because you sometimes see the social media companies pushing back and saying, look, we, our policies don't say we should take these posts down. And yet the government would persist and say, yo, you better do it. And they even say, look, this is a true fact. Why should we take this down? The government say, well, you better, you better do it or else. The, the court actually made an analogy to Al Capone. They would say, uh, you know, in effect, it's a nice company you got there. It'd be, it'd be a shame if something were to happen to it if the social media companies push back too hard. <laughs> um, a lot of folks are going to listen to this and say, okay, um, these private companies, these social media companies didn't want, maybe because the government nudged them in a certain direction, they didn't want what they considered and what the government considered to be misinformation out there on their platforms. What's the big deal? You get to go on radio shows like this one. I've seen you on uh, Fox News in prime time. I've seen you on CNN. I've heard you on on other radio shows, clearly you have ample opportunity to be heard. What's the big deal if you can't tweet something? I mean, I think the key thing to think about is that when the government and social media company slaps a label of misinformation on you, it's, it sends a signal to people that there's something that you're something wrong with what you're saying. The problem is that the government had no regard to whether the thing that was being said was true or false. They, they would censor even true things just because there was a critic, a, a effective critic of their policies. Essentially it's like, uh, you know, uh, people can listen to me, but then be like, oh, well, he's the guy that's the fringe epidemiologist because the government says so, right? Or, or social media says so. That kind of power, essentially to like launder defamation, is what the censorship in modern censorship is really about. Um, and 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 that's that's exactly the problem. It's like, and, and and it'd be one thing if they were just censoring misinformation, like actually false things, like you know the Earth is flat. But who needs to censor that? No one needs to censor the people saying the Earth is flat because most people know the Earth isn't flat. And if and, you know, it's, whenever someone says the Earth is flat, there's like 500 people to tell them, no, yeah, the Earth is round. Um, the problem is in disputed things in science, you have to leave room for people to, to argue without, you know, the government putting the thumb on the scale. Like, you know, does COVID uh, recovery provide immunity? Well, scientists debated that early on and came to the conclusion that, do- that it does. The government put its thumb on the scale in that debate. Does what did, did this virus originate in a lab or, or was it originating in natural in sort of from, from a bat cave? Well, I mean, like, again, the government put its thumb on the scale long before the scientific evidence was in. They, the main thing they were doing wasn't suppressing misinformation. The main thing they were doing is they were, they were defaming critics of government policy. You had a uh, fascinating op-ed, I think it was in Real Clear Politics, in which you compared how the Soviet Union handled dissident intellectuals in the 70s with what the United States is doing today. A lot of people may be surprised to hear a comparison between the freedom-loving United States and the autocratic communist Soviet Union. What is the comparison well, you know, the probably the best example is from the 30s and 40s. So the there was a scientist in the Soviet Union named Trofim Lysenko. Lysenko. He thought that Mendelian genetics wasn't true. And Stalin loved him because he thought Stalin thought, OK, well, uh, genetics are a bad thing because you can't uh, you can't use environment to like, control things. 
Well, uh, Trovin Lysenko was a, was, a, was a agricultural scientist, and he didn't believe in genetics, Mendelian genetics. He thought you expose seeds to cold and then they'll get stronger. That idea implemented at scale caused mass famine in the Soviet Union. And Lysenko and, uh, essentially smeared and sent, Siberia to, sent a, a scientists to Siberia who disagreed with him. Now, now in the United States, they're not sending scientists to Siberia, but what they're doing, the government is doing is saying, if you disagree with us on this, this, and this, the government scientists like Tony Fauci, we're going to label you as as fringe figures. We're going to put misinformation labels on you. We're going to make sure that scientists know that if they speak up against us, we're going to, we're going to defame you. And as a result, countless scientists stay silent. It's, it's directly analogous to what happened in the Soviet Union. There's a lot of scientists, great biologists, stayed quiet because they didn't want to get sent to Siberia. Well, here in the United States, that scientists stay silent because they don't want to be labeled fringe. They don't want to be, mm. you know, at the center of like, a, you know, the, a, lot of, a lot of like grief and angst um, that the government censorship effort creates for people. Dr. Bhattacharya, I appreciate that uh, the work that you're doing on behalf of the First Amendment, and obviously I appreciate you staying up late. Please keep us posted on this. Thank you, Frank, for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. J. Bhattacharya. If you want to comment on any portion of our discussion, you're welcome to do so. 800-848-9222. It's 800-848-9222. Straight ahead.